I, I was saying I'm I'm just coming back from yoga, which is my second ever session there. <laughs> uh-huh. And as I was doing it, you're a fan of King of the Hill, right? Yeah, love that show. Remember the episode where Hank has to go, uh, go to yoga to, to because he has back problems. Do you remember yeah. watching that? I do. And yeah. then there's this like really sleazy yogi who runs it, who was played mm-hmm. by Johnny Depp. Apparently, I just learned that. Really? And, okay. Yeah. And then Hank's like doing this pose, and uh, I think the yogi says something like, "I've never been disgusted by the human body until now." Because like <laughs> Hank's, uh, he he's always uh-huh. like talking shit about yoga and making fun of it. So mm-hmm. they have an antagonistic relationship. Uh, so I, I just thought of that while I was there. Why did you, you get? Did you get? Did you get ogled by a creepy yogi? <laughs> no, I don't think so. But okay. Yeah. Have Have you ever done like yoga? Yeah, I I, I used to love going to yoga. Um, I don't know why it stopped. Actually, uh, I think it's just uh just they they got too overcrowded. Um, at, at oh, one yeah? point, probably not so much of an issue now. Uh, although who knows? <laughs> um, I don't know. But I, there was just too much. Like classes varied wildly in uh, in terms of like quality of teaching, mm-hmm. um, and the the clientele often leaves something to be desired. Wait, wait, so, what does that mean? I just just like like um, like rude people or in wait, you know. How, how in do a, you how are you rude in a yoga class? I'm not I'm not uh, casting doubts. I'm just very curious because you know, uh, yeah, just, just like just not having social manners. Like you're in a crowded room, you're gonna you're, you know you, you should be considerate of you know others in that space. So it's are like, you, like people kicking people in the up, face and stuff. Me no <laughs> no no. But are, no, is that what they're yeah, like? Kind of yeah. So like taking you know? like, yeah like taking up way too much room, being way too like like exhibitionist e. Especially if it's a guy and he's sort of and he's in there, um, like I I I got the sense that he's like showing off. He's like mm. grunting through the through the mm. motions. Or like, like shorts too everywhere. short, you can like see too yeah. much. I mean, like yeah. yo, cover up, man. Yeah, there was oh my god, there was this one where like the, uh, like there was just something wrong. I I was like behind the guy and he's wearing pretty like short but loose like like swim trunks or something. Okay. So can you imagine when you get to like inverted, yeah, um, you get to like, like the downward dogs and like, and like, you just get an eyeful of that Mm. going on. Like, it's just, it's just, it's, it's not, it's not great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the one I'm going to is is fairly sparse. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's also the type of class I'm taking. They said for beginners, you should take a Mysore class. Mm. So it's, it's a lot of people, there's not a, there's a lot of like individualized instruction, but there's no like leader in the front and mm-hmm. kind of like a dance class. It's not like that. So I'm going to try the other class now though, because I've taken a couple of these. So I'm like, okay, I, 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 you know, I'm still struggling with a lot of things, but at least it's not completely alien anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, that's that's a really good one. It's it's really good for flexibility and just like re- like relaxation. Once you get up there, like you owe it to yourself to try hot yoga once. I think it's an experience. I think you understand uh you understand hipsters a lot better once you do hot yoga. Oh really? The place yeah. I'm going to it's like it's, it, I think it's around 80 degrees and I'm already like, "Oh, it's kind of stuffy in here. What's going on?" Yeah. So Yeah. Um I don't even want to imagine what hot yoga is like. <laughs> yeah.
Hey listeners, welcome back. Another episode of Escape from Plan A for you. I'm your host, Chris, joined here by the lovely Jess. What's up, Jess? Yo. All right, tonight, just the two of us. Uh, Jess, I just want to say you and Tina, you've been holding on the fort really well the last few weeks. Some really meaty episodes. Uh, first with like Ron Kim, then uh, with Casey talking about, you know, the kind of like the whole recall thing in San Francisco with Chesa Budin, which is really just a bigger discussion about you know just how do you handle violence against asians without just being like oh you know prayers and tears prayers and yeah, tears. yeah the usual right yeah yeah and then uh next uh teen recording episode with uh, fulton who from the they can't burn us all organization and that's going to be our next episode um but we thought we kind of like break up the as i said the aforementioned meatiness of this episode with uh, with something not exactly lighthearted, knowing you People just... People were sure diplomatic. They're like, um, so I'm like crazy depressed now? <laughs> <laughs> like, yep, yep, we hear you. Um, yeah. Although yeah, but- I will say if we want to avoid that strictly, I don't think, um, I don't know. Knowing you just, I think that's where we'll turn anyway. But I will try to maybe uh, be the, the bumper in the, the bowling alley that is <laughs> I'll, this I'll keep it in check. <laughs> A round of applause for Teen. I mean that he was he was really like just banging these out. I mean there was mm-hmm. that weekend like two weekends he was doing a one pod a day for a couple of days basically. Yeah. So round of applause. He really he really knocked it out the park. Yeah. Gratefully, we're gonna give him a much needed break. You know he he was he was like the he was like the chef on Valentine's Day and Mother's Day back to back. So now we can uh, <laughs> uh, pick up some of the slack. So in this episode, we're just gonna discuss. Yeah, a if bunch you want to hear, if you want, if you if you want to hear from from Teen, either hop into Discord or get on Twitter. He's not he's yes, not going monk mode. Great way to bring that up because if you want to be in our Discord, go sign up on Patreon. Five dollars a month, you'll get bonus episodes. That's twice the output you will receive from us in a week. We never <laughs> miss a bonus episode. I guarantee you that because we missed an episode last year during Thanksgiving weekend, <laughs> and we made it up. Months later, so we will you never. Were, man, you you were you, you kept track of that like you owed the bank money. <laughs> it was like every week you're like, we gotta make up that episode, guys. Campbell, yeah. we gotta make it I'm up. A, I'm a guy of principle. <laughs> Hats off. <laughs> so that that's the that's the plan A guarantee. We will not uh we will not let you down. Okay, so as I said, we were uh, for this episode, we're just gonna um, go through a bunch of articles that we read in the last like maybe even a couple of weeks. I don't know, some of these might be a bit old, but they're all relevant. They're not like too time sensitive, and they all touch upon topics that are important. Um, you know, for example, like teen depression. Um, Teenagers, like- not our teen. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Good, good, uh, good <laughs> yeah. clarification there. And this whole like Elon Musk Twitter thing, which is I think a, a great discussion of, and uh, <laughs> just like should we even really be on Twitter? Like people are afraid that Elon Musk is going to take over Twitter, and just like well, so what? Maybe we. Oh My please! Attitude. You know the board's all in a panic. Start this is now is the time to start posting nudes, all right? That, <laughs> it's anarchy. Go for mm-hmm. it. And yeah, and then there are like other articles if we have time, we'll get to. But uh, sure. all right, so let, let's start with this one. This one was in The Atlantic by Dylan something, I think. Derek Thomas, never mind. And it's called Why American Teens Are So Sad. And just to give the gist of it, it's just that apparently American teens are po- are posting like record high rates of depression and low self-esteem and just lack of optimism. And the article tries to you know, go through four major factors. Number one, being social media use. I don't know if these are ranked in order of 
importance, but it, it, number one didn't uh, seem to be. But yeah, second, sociality is down. In other words, COVID. Third reason is the world is stressful. Um, I mean, that's kind of tied to I think social media. It's like you're constantly bombarded with, uh, you know, this lake is now at its lowest uh level ever this fire has started there this old nuclear reactor is leaking you know that kind of stuff and then the fourth one is modern parenting which i think he he's not exactly saying that parents are pushing their kids too hard which i mean i'm sure many are but i think this is more about parents are shielding their kids too much and as a result uh the kids just don't develop the kind of uh fortitude the, you need to kind of, um, you know, withstand the many disappointments of life. Yeah. So, uh, Jess, let me ask you, like, you, uh, what were your thoughts on this article? This article pissed me off. <laughs> okay, how so? Um, I should have checked before before you started recording, like, what age this uh, this Derek Thompson is. But I think I've seen him, his byline before in the Atlantic. He's probably, like, in his 40s, probably, right? Uh, so Gen X, let me run maybe a, a boomer. Um, but, and I only asked that because I only thought that was a, just because of the tone of the article was, was, it's like almost there, but so not quite in a way that's 30, actually undermined. I guess he's 35. Yeah. That's way too young to be this deluded about shit. <laughs> Derek, what is your problem? You are not a boomer. Get your act together, man. Um, so it's not that I disagree with the findings, right? Data is data. It all shows a, a sharp uptick in negative in negative mental health indicators. And I appreciate that they broke it down by like subgroup. And I think I, I mean, should note that, you know, um, uh, white teens are, are just like a whole, they're the, in their own like dimension in terms of the numbers that they're posting, even over, um, even o- like over black over, um, yes. So if we're there's this chart, if the sa- if we're gonna go by like the most depressed, saddest group, mm-hmm. number one is LGBT. Uh, I noticed they didn't put Q there. I don't know if that's because it's whatever. Uh, second is female. Third, and then there's the overall. So those, I guess, are the two groups that are kind of doing worse than average, mm-hmm. and then uh, doing better than average, but still like you know the the next worst group is white then black, then male. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's an interesting data set to go into. I might take a look at that myself later, but let's just take the fi- the findings that he's he's writing this article on. Uh, I'm not disputing the numbers. They're all bad. And they're, and over time, you see the trend line. It is, it's really bad. Um, I appreciate that he breaks down the myth that somehow COVID was to blame for the sharp uptick because he's clearly noticing that this is this trend has been going on for a while, at least a decade, if not more, prior to COVID. So, you know, we can just eliminate COVID as a as the like sole factor in this um, in this outcome. Uh, what I dis- what I didn't like is that he's cut, he's almost there, but he says things like um, it's fear of school shootings uh, that might be contributing to teenage uh, like anxiety and depression. No, how about it's school shootings that are contributing to this uh, to these negative health outcomes? Calling it like anxiety as a response to this thing that's still not putting putting your finger on the source on the source of the problem here. If we kept school shootings the same as they always were, but like handed out more anti-anxiety meds and put everyone in therapy, would that really materially change anything? 
um, it's it's a subtlety of language, but it it's important when we're talking about well, what do we want to do about it? Is it the anxiety about school shootings, or is it school shootings? Is it fear right. about climate change? Is it fear about the about about uh, lack of future prospects, or is it the lack of future prospects and the lack of a livable planet? All right. So if I'm hearing you correctly, it's the distinction of saying, basically, I'm sorry for doing this, and I'm sorry your feelings were hurt. You're like you're making it seem like. It's really how you're handling this issue. That's the issue, yes. issue as opposed to the thing itself. Is yes. that what you're saying? Okay. Because if it's the anxiety in response to this thing, then the solution is give out medication, put yeah, everyone in therapy. Extra Xanax. Yeah. Or solution. I mean, if he, he ties and he talks a little bit about uh, like social media use contributing to this. Okay. Well, if we just if we changed nothing but yanked Instagram, like so, like you have to be 25 and over to have an Instagram account, uh, which I actually think we should, but <laughs> yeah. um, I'll make it 30. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but if we, so if he points to social media, then he's saying like, if you yank Instagram from kids or, or I, I guess TikTok, excuse me, my age is showing, um, would that really change anything? Um, the, the answer to that would be no, in my opinion. How can you say that they're worried about, it's like, it's like these kids are saying, I am scared and worried, sick about X, Y, and Z, but he's pinpointing stuff like how p adults are managing that as the, as the core of the issue here. Oh, we, we gave them too much free, unfettered access to, uh, to social media. We're parenting them poorly. And, oh, this COVID thing, we, we locked them up at home so they couldn't hang out with their, with their kids. Yeah, it's I mean, like you're I, not actually even hearing the things that you the the things that you asked them in a study. Right, right. I, I was listening to this episode of uh, Chapo today, and it was all about this article that came out where they were trying to figure out like, oh, Joe Biden is really unpopular with young people, and there was this guy um, who, whose job it is is to gather all this data. Oh, were you in the Discord? I saw it just earlier today. Uh, there's this writer Zach Beauchamp for Oh yeah, Fox. I saw that. He was like, you know, what could what could explain um, like Joe Biden's plummeting popularity with young people, and and I, I run to this core like this clowns like still trying to figure out uh, the mystery, the <laughs> awe-inspiring mystery of the Titanic in the year 2022. I, I <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I, I caught the tweet, like, you know, well on its way to becoming like <laughs> ratioed what? into the sun. Oh, yeah. And then uh, somebody uh. retweeted, like, wait for the ratio. It's like, okay, you take the oldest president in history who basically got there by torpedoing the the candidate who's most popular with young people. And he's been completely missing in action. I have, I mean, not that I pay attention too much, you know, to that kind of like cable news thing anyway, but I, I like even just passing by in, in an office or uh, whatever, I, I've like barely seen any, but I've seen like, I've seen Kamala uh, more. And, and not, that's not a good thing because she keeps screwing things up. And and it's like, you really don't need uh, data to, to figure it out. But anyway, that article also was like, how do we appeal <laughs> to young people? And it's all about, um, they don't actually want to do the things that would make young people presumably happy. Uh, you know, for example, I don't know, stimulus spending to increase jobs for, you know, that are, for, for young people, especially if you're like graduating high school or college, those kind of entry-level jobs, you know, student debt forgiveness, all that. Like they don't go to it, it, but it's more like, yeah, but, but okay. Aside from that, how do we do it? Like, how do we talk to these people? Like, like they're, they're talking to babies. 
Like, mm-hmm. which like Google Gaga voice do we got to use to stop the crying? And it was so condescending. And it, it, it seems like your beef with this article is this similar. It's it's very similar. Yeah. Uh, and like, look, this message hasn't sunk in to, to these people. Millennials are 40 now. Mm-hmm. And they're still being talked to politically as uh, one. Wait your turn. You haven't done. You haven't paid your dues. So how can you? How can you be so entitled as to expect what the same things you guys got to enjoy uh, by well when you were well under the age of the, that millennials are at now? Um, that that's entitlement here. Um, plus a like forty. That's 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 midlife basically. Are we not grown ups yet? Um, so, I mean, this is the, look, this is just the fruits of like third way, third way Clintonian politics coming home to roost. Uh, they had a good 20 year run, but it could not have gone. It, it, how can you, how can it last forever? The Democrats actually can't pivot to a message because, uh, that's not what they're about. Their entire thing was to undercut social, social, uh, infrastructure and actual physical infrastructure in favor of private and corporate interests. Right, their only their only concession to liberalism or progressivism is appeals to liberalism or progressivism. That was Clinton's entire. It's in his own words that we can pivot. We meaning de- the Democrats. We can pivot to this. We can pivot to you know globalization, undercutting American industry, uh, privatizing everything we can we can, uh, in the, in uh, in whatever time frame you know we decide, um, and but. They will not have a choice except to vote for us. This is this is why you know Nancy Pelosi has to say things like she uh, she wishes for a strong Republican Party. They need that bad guy to be real and dangerous in order to have in order to have whatever leverage uh, they can. And maybe that worked. That worked for a while when the nation's economy was booming, uh, when things were roughly, not perfectly, but roughly on an upward trajectory. And when, when young people were probably young enough, you know, when the millennials were, uh, you know, the post 9-11 generation to, to come on up, I am, I am in that cohort, uh, when you could, you could lie. And basically, if you do the grind, if you hustle, uh, you do that, you do that uh, second job, you do that startup or whatever, you too will be able to finally grow up. Um, well, I, I don't know. It's that promise has not been fulfilled, and this is just people waking up to that realization. I don't know what else you can. I don't know what else to say. This isn't hard. I I also wonder if um part of okay, so there is this, you know, collective uh, lack of optimism for the future uh, from the youngest people. Uh, excluding like you know toddlers and you know we're probably thinking Pete you gotta be in like at least a double poor digit. bastards toddlers and poor <laughs> well, bastards well I guess they're 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 in a state of uh, what what do you call it uh, blissful ignorance <laughs> but if you're you know kind of in that preteen slash teenage uh, thing and and you kind of know a bit more about the world and you know actual events things like like say the Trump election you know the the economy that's just been you know kind of like stagnant at best. COVID, all this like tensions with other rising powers, uh, America's general inability to kind of just control what goes around in the world anymore. That all contributes to that lack of optimism. But one thing I've been thinking more about, and this is more tied in specifically with like social media, is, you know, we, I, I think when you talk about Clintonism, one of the key elements of it is this faith that 
technological innovation plus social liberalism, when you marry those two together, is just a highway to heaven, baby. It's like what can we are going to be able to um, create like some uh, replicator that'll make like beluga caviar by with with a penny. Like you know, every every man a king, every woman a queen, uh, because technology is wonderful. Plus, social pro, like liberalism and progress means every like subgroup that was previously discriminated will be celebrated and all that. And I think, uh, especially us, you know, us being right in the smack dab of the millennial generation, we really bought into that or at least i did maybe you were more wiser, uh, i did but, too um right. i mean i was right there i mean i went to school in engineering after 9 11 um you know it took a long time to realize oh wow like okay so everything about that education was to serve the you know the technocratic agenda you know the mission is very inst- the mission statement is instilled in you very very early that you know you guys are the uh you guys are the innovators that the country will be depending on for its security, for its prosperity, for everything. Uh, and so you kind of get, get manipulated into like being, uh, to feeding into the system. And it's interesting you bring up caviar. China made caviar super cheap. Mm, okay. Yeah. Uh, with what, it's, like it's, caviar it's farms? A, I don't know exactly. I think it's, it, I think it's probably commercial farming at just, you know, only the scale that China can, can muster at this point. Um, caviar prices basically fell through the floor. So, you know, caviar is actually on the list of, you know, uh, shit China did, but at what cost? Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a bunch of articles about, you know, how China making caviar super cheap has undercut the, the caviar luxury market. Oh, no. Like, what a tragedy. Yeah. yeah it, <laughs> how am I going to feel fancy if I can if I can't if, if I know that the peasants are smearing fish eggs on toast, too? Oh my God! Uh, if if every Chan and Chin and Wang and Wing in China is eating caviar, where's the prestige? And we just put export blo- like import blocks on that shit. Mm-hmm. We don't actually get a lot of Chinese imported caviar. It uh, probably to you know support the luxury market for that here. Right. Uh, um, anyway, but going back to my point, because uh, this uh, this article, like a lot of these articles, will focus on social media in particular its effect on uh, girls and women. So I'm just thinking, if you, if you're like a girl and you see what technological and social progress has caused, like technological process, uh, progress, uh, the proliferation of, you know, like things like Instagram and TikTok and just social media in general, where for girls, uh, your appearance, that thing that was supposed to, you know, with social progress was supposed to become less and less uh, overemphasized uh, is now... uh, Possibly more important than ever, especially if you're young, and uh, if if you couple that with like social progress, that uh, you know tells a lot of girls that um, at best gives very mixed messages about how much you're allowed to use your sexuality uh, to gain you know social power, popularity, even money. Um, on on so, some days you hear, oh yeah, you go girl, you know that that's what you got to do, and other times it's like, no, you, you that's just buying into the patriarchy, you know, cover up, uh, shave your head maybe, or even, and you you got to be thinking like, wait a minute, this thing that was, I don't, I have no faith anymore. In fact, I think if we go down this road, uh, we might actually uh, regress back to some horrible uh, level. I, I mean, that, that's the thing, that's the feeling I would have if I were that age and a girl. Mm, well, I, I get that it's a problem, um, and I get that social media is uh, is exacerbating it. Uh, you can already tell there's a butt coming. Um, 
I don't quite buy the premise of this article and other think pieces like that. That some it, they're all subtle calls for censorship, like content moderation, you know, restriction of content, curation of content. Um, um, so you know, we got to call that out, right? All of this is you know usually by people who write for the establishment press, um, who point the finger at like social media. Um, and saying like, look, see, the peasants are running amok on these platforms. Yeah, yeah good point. Yeah, good point. Um, you know, we can't have that. We need we need responsible gatekeepers to tell people what to do and what to think and what's correct and what's wrong. Mm-hmm. So there's always that level to this discourse here that I think doesn't get emphasized enough when we talk about this. Right. Um, so, oh, but just you did say I don't know if you're maybe just joking. You did say you would be in favor of an age limit, though. With. I wasn't serious about that. Okay. I think it is harmful. I think I think it's a I think it is a it's it's a big problem. I'm in favor of parents having greater control over what their kids uh, kids kids uh, are able to see and engage with online. I'm not in favor of like empowering Instagram or YouTube or you know some whatever body uh, government body or whatever to do that content moderation for us. Um, I just don't because we see we already see it right you call for they always say okay well um, like we always grant them more power to censor and curate um, manipulate the algorithm you know re, you know kick people off the platform if we if we do and they always promise that it's to serve good interests and it's uh, I mean and I think people are investing these companies and the and the government with with these powers in good faith because the promise is that you give them that power and they will they will use it responsibly in the way that you said uh, you want them to be using it. But what do we end up seeing? We end up seeing the same harmful shit proliferate. Um, and it's just like political dissidents that get that get kicked up, off like immediately. Yeah. Also, um, has there ever been a, a censorship body anywhere ever that explicitly said, yeah, we're doing this to screw you? We're doing no, this. Of course not. To, yeah, they all say the same thing. So no matter what they say, you got you got to yeah. look at the results and what they're doing, not what they say. Yeah. Um, and in, I mean, I, lest I sound like some like free speech, like absolutist here, um, not really. I think a, the, a damaging myth that uh, that gets used as a political and ideological football is the idea that the U.S. is a bastion of free speech. Um, it's it's it's. It, in its purest form, it's it's an ideal that we all need to be striving for and preserve. And if we just need to tolerate some Nazis and pedophiles online, then so be it. Uh, obviously not. There has never been, uh, there has never been a centralized, organized like system like system like this that didn't engage in censorship to some level. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no such thing as a pure, like pure and absolute uh, uh, um, implementation of free speech. There just isn't. Like even in the even in the U.S., you're not you have free speech up to a point, and that's this is outlined by the government, right? You are not allowed to advocate for the overthrow of the U.S. government. So that already is a hard line there. No one really, no one really questions. Um, this is getting this is getting into the weeds, but um, so no, I don't think I. I where am I going with this, man? Uh, I was actually going to say, I think that's a nice transition into the to the next thing that we wanted to talk about, which was... Oh, I remember. Sorry. Um, oh, yeah, so I, I, ex- I, I understand that, that excessive exposure to the toxicity, the swamp of social media is very damaging uh, to people, um, to, especially to young people. Um, I don't even buy that it's, it's more, it's more affecting on girls than, say, boys. 
Uh, I saw this, th- there's one paragraph in here. I'll just read it. It says, uh, in the de- last decade, teenagers bec- have become increasingly stressed by concerns about gun violence, uh, climate change, and the political environment. She wrote an email. Increased stress among young people is linked to increasing s- levels of sadness. Girls more than boys are socialized to internalize distress, meaning that they tend to collapse in on themselves by becoming depressed or anxious. And then that sent- that it just ends. What did they not talk about? How do boys respond to this? Now, if you look at all the school shooters, they tend to be a certain gender, a certain race and a certain gender too. But this article did not did not even try to go there, right? There's this instinctive, like shying away from examining what that phenomenon of school shootings is. What if that's how boys in, so internalize that level of distress? Why can we not talk about that? Um, okay. And the second thing, I think this overall thing, this hopelessness that we can take them at face value. Um, I don't think it's necessarily social media. That's, uh, that's turning these kids in on themselves to internalize. It's that there is no fundamental, there's no greater thing to be striving for. There's no greater like mission or cause that, you know, isn't that, um, that is in support of like, like you as an individual in service to like your family, community, your nation, there's no unifying purpose to any of this anymore. It is very narcissistic. It is very self-involved. Um, it is about personal, like personal gain, in very like venal senses. Well, what would you say like our unifying purpose was? Um, did you watch? Uh, did you watch Challenger on Netflix? I I assume it's not about the space shuttle. Oh, it is about the space shuttle. It's a kind of a documentary series. It's it's okay. really well done. But that's um, way way too before our time, though. Uh, I know, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm saying something here, though. Okay. Um, like, uh, so, uh, one of the things that I felt like this was for my time too. Like, I was, I, I do not remember <laughs> the the Challenger exploding. Um, yeah, that was before we were born. Yeah, um, and but you know, from watching this, you know, you can kind of, you can kind of see how they they captured like the the excitement of an entire country. Right. Like they did a whole nationwide search for a school teacher to to be one of the astronauts that went up and like thousands of teachers responded. There was yep. a whole like like these like NASA press conferences were watched by millions of people, like all like all news channels would stop to air like these news conferences. Uh, there was a sense of national purpose. Like, people would like it looked like Coachella now or something like the crowds that lined up to see the shuttle uh, take off or just to just like to come spectate while it was being worked on. There was a sense of purpose to that. Like we're sent we're doing we're sending people up to space. We're we're doing shit in space. Damn. I mean that's an incredible accomplishment in the scale of things. Like like the Wright brothers took off in 1914, right? And the um and and we put a man on the moon in 1969. I mean someone born in around the turn of that century was raised with horse and buggies and pro- and was not even excessively old by the time a man walked on the moon. I think that has a that has that has a powerful pull on on people's psyches. Uh, like that you girls could now see themselves as as astronauts right um like there was a real like um there was a real recognition that you know um this technology is real you can be contributing to that um and this will make you know everyone this will this will uh this will be for the glory of the united states and you know make everyone rich and it it, it would be it would be an amazing accomplishment where do we have that now but but are you saying that our our generation like millennials, I, I, I'm, I think it was challenging. Like 1980, when what, what, when I think I'm it was sure like 1980. 
four, five? I'm not sure. I'll just look it up. Late 80s. Oh, 86. Okay, it happened okay. Uh, much more recent than I thought. But, okay. you know, that was still, uh, you know, slightly before we were born. So you think the spirit of Challenger was carrying on still when we were teenagers? I think so. I think uh, I think right around when we were like be, getting you know getting our degrees and getting into the workforce, I think it kind of tilted into something a little different, which is uh, which was primarily about greed. I think now that I think about it. Uh, so Wait, what do you mean? like like you getting educa- good a good education, going to a good school, um, getting set up in a good like company or starting your own company or something. It's about the numbers that you're posting. Like how many billions can you earn as a as, if you're a startup or, you know, ca- how fast can you make partner and, you know, drive a nice car and have affairs with your secretary, uh, mm-hmm. stuff like that. It's very venal. There is right. no but sense I of like greater purpose. That, but no, I, I think the six, the reason there's this great line in, in Girls, the show where one of the characters is chastised by a slightly older character who I think is supposed to be kind of like a young Gen X type where she tells her like every generation gets told that they're special, but you, you guys were the only ones stupid enough to believe it. And I think it was because a lot of that uh, individual striving was paired with this greater sense of uh, advancement. Maybe if you're a minority, just, you know, it's like, if you do get to reach that top, you know, you, you're pulling your community with you or you are part of this younger, uh, more enlightened America, and you're all part of this mission. I mean, I, that's basically the uh, 2008 Obama campaign. And just by you being you and doing your thing, um, you're great. There was this uh, piece in Time magazine. It was written by Paul Begala. Do you know who that is? Name's is name is familiar. I, I forget what his exact position was. He was a really high up uh, Clinton guy. When uh, Bill Clinton ran for president, him oh, okay. and, and Carville and, and you know, they, they kind of became household names. Mm-hmm. And I think Begala was one of the crossfire guys. Oh, uh, so okay. that's kind of how he became more of a household name, at least for political nerds. But he wrote this piece, I think it was in Time Magazine, where he, uh, I think he is technically like a Gen X or something. But he, he was talking about how he loathes being grouped with the boomers. And he, it's basically a fluff piece to millennials, who at this point would be probably, um, I think it was like written the year like 2000-ish. So we would have still been teenagers. But he was saying how, uh, you know what, like my generation, oh no, I guess he was a boomer. It's like, my generation sucks. The boomers uh, totally wasted all the potential we had. We were given everything, but we just became greedy and selfish. But you millennials, I think you are uh, special. Um, I think... I think the boomers, the one thing they they can contribute is that we they've raised the millennials. So I remember seeing that and you know being like, Ooh. "Fuck you, Paul Bigala. <laughs> Fuck uh, you." But it was like, "Ooh, oh, you know, th- this this is this sounds like kind of you know maybe I am part of a special chosen generation." So I think there was it's a lot really of that schizo. sentiment going on. I, I understand. I've, I've seen that, but it's also and then like the the century turns over. Nine eleven happens, and then the millennials become you know like adults, young adults, and then you start seeing the slam pieces come out. You know, millennials are a coddled, entitled generation. They're lazy, mm-hmm. um, and apparently we're we're killing everything. Right? We're killing dinner napkins. We're killing dinner parties. We're killing silverware. Wait, by not like buying them. 
like you know yeah, they blame us like for that. the the housing yeah. uh, collapse and house ownership and car ownership and you know yeah. other big so ticket it's, items it's been like 15 years of non-stop slander of the millennials by boomers <laughs> and it's like like okay well if we're so bad you fuckers raised us mm-hmm. so what are you doing here and then yeah. the occasional like Gen X person waddles by and is like, oh well, I'm I'm so glad I'm not either a millennial or a boomer. And like, yeah, nobody cares about you. Go go keep, go. Away. Keep reminding <laughs> us why we keep why we forget you all the time. Mm-hmm. Keep reminding us. Um, yeah. this so. might be a little off track, but I was having a discussion with somebody else earlier today because we were talking about how, uh, you know, just uh, forecasting what the political identity of like. The, the Gen Z types will be in. And I asked, like, was there ever a point in, in history where, I mean, like, because I think, at least in kind of like urban areas, I, I do think the the standard li- millennial parent will be just like insufferable liberal. And I I, have to, I asked, like, generally speaking, traditionally, your, your parents are always kind of insufferably conservative. I, I think that maybe the only exception to this would be if you were, say, like a Democrat, like an aristocrat in the Democratic Party, where you, you, your whole family is dedicated to to liberalism, then maybe your your your, your but mom liberalism and dad... is not. I mean, it 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 that bears discussion on what liberalism is. Like, can you be a rich liberal? And the answer to that is yes. In that case, then you know liberalism has taken a bit of a beating in that uh, in that definition here. Uh, right. Um. Wait, wait. What do you mean? Uh, it means like, well, what, what when you say liberal or liberalism, what do you mean? What what are what's the what are the what's the who is in your head when you think of the archetypal like liberal? Um, <laughs> uh, do you watch Succession? I do. Yes. Um, <laughs> I like where this the, is going. The the Pierces. I mean, that's mm, like okay. that's like a total yeah. exaggeration, but some and they're like extremely wealthy, so that that's like. You know, but you know, think of like a middle class version of that. I, I would envision that a pretty typical millennial parent will be some diluted version of Nan Pierce's type of liberalism and all its mm-hmm. uh, and all its uh, contradictions. If you're mm-hmm. a child and your parents are like that, what do you do? Because you gotta, you got, you're gonna get mad at your parents eventually. Like what you know? So I don't know. It's like I know. I'm just telling my friend. Like I, I just. Has there ever been a point in history where where the kid might turn out to be, you know, the, the whole like uh, I've never watched Family Ties, but isn't that the whole plot of that? I've never where, watched it either. Where the the Michael uh, Michael J. Fox character has like hippie parents and he rebels against them, and, and they're red diaper babies. They have existed, but even then, I think they even knew that their parents, uh, communist or socialist beliefs, weren't the mainstream. But in a lot of circles is and if you look at our culture it is that kind of mainstream liberalism is the dominant culture so your parents aren't going to be these weird hippies believing in their uh kind of like blue check democratic liberalism they will be the cultural uh elite yeah and if it's a kid, ruthless, they're ruthless meritocrats uh which means like they do all of the existing class tensions still exist but they're willing to tolerate diversity at the upper echelons Right. Um, so this impression that, you know, the top, you know, quartile, let's say, of American society is actually super racist, I think there is a little bit of unpacking. I think this class of people is actually fairly tolerant of diversity. 
um, they, they, they want more LGBTQ. They do want more women. They do want more racial minorities in the mix. Um, um, they're highly tolerant to all of that. What they're not tolerant to is the undeserving crawling into the ranks. That's the thing. Uh, so this shuts out uh, this shuts out the majority of whites as well too. So I think this is where this is where hyper focus on race um, actually kind of serves to obscure the issue, not high and not uh, uh, prevents unpacking it a little bit. Um, so, I mean, so it's all, it's all covered. It's, this is the class of people. I think it's the most diluted, the most propagandized group in America, honestly. Um, when we talk about like propaganda or brainwashing or something, or, you know, you hear, you go on CNN and they're talking, they're talking about, you know, like MAGA's, um, as brainwashed, you know, just drinking prox propaganda all day and night. No, I think the real thing is that the, the, the top 10% of America is actually the most propagandized people on earth. They're the most, uh, I, they're the most idealistic. You'll always see them saying shit like, oh, well that shouldn't happen. Well, it did. Now what? You, you're saying, okay, in a perfect world, which doesn't exist, this thing that you are tutting at would not exist. Can we get past the third grade here? Yeah. I, I saw this recent poll survey study, whatever, that showed you know, Democrats versus Republicans, uh, their faith in the media. And you got some very, almost like religious type of faith among oh, Democrats in, you know, the things like the New York Times, uh, CNN, the New Yorker, maybe, I don't know, uh, MSNBC, even the Wall Street Journal. The Wall Street Journal, more Democrats have faith in the Wall Street Journal than Republicans. The Republicans, I think, if I recall correctly, even things like Infowars, Republicans are pretty skeptical of. Fox News yeah. is the only thing that Republicans showed pretty outsized faith in. Even that mat only matched, like, say, the, the Democrats' faith in the Wall Street Journal. So, I mean, I think one way... To interpret and this is probably kind of correct is that Republicans are completely off the off the rails and and they have faith in some their favorite YouTuber who who is broadcasting out of the uh, uh, basement. But also, it also shows like the Democrats have this very unhealthy faith in yeah, it's a faith in, in the in the mainstream media, and it's because they control it. So of course, mm -hmm. they they love hearing their own kind tell them exactly what they want to hear, and I guess that's kind of better than. Uh, believing the the basement uh, televangelist type, but is it that much better? I don't think so. I don't even think it's better because <laughs> blind faith in anything is bad as on principle. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, like yeah, so <laughs> that's perfect here. Okay, so they have a shit ton of faith in the Washington Post, owned by Jeff Bezos, and they all shat their collective diaper at the thought of Elon Musk taking over Twitter. Yes, yes, that that was a transition I wanted to make when you were talking about censorship and Twitter. So. Uh, fill me in uh, if, if there's like more information. I don't know a ton about the story, but yeah, Elon Musk supposedly is trying to like take over Twitter. Twitter board is panicking. They've apparently devised some poison pill thing to prevent him from doing it. And a lot of scare stories have been uh, conjured up about how we can't let uh, billionaires take over our media, which <laughs> you just mentioned. It's too late for that. That's already happened. And um, I think it's more that the wrong type of billionaire is taking over media. I think that's that's what the real problem is. Elon Musk, he's, he's a little too uh, reddity. I think that I think that's that's their main problem with him. It's like, is he that much worse than Bezos? I don't think so. But um, for whatever reason, 
uh, he's just sends the bad vibes. And that this pairs in with this other article, which I found hilarious, which uh, apparently the New York Times has told its own journalists, get off of Twitter. <laughs> yeah. And he said, it has never been our official policy that you need to even maintain a Twitter. Mm-hmm. So I think they're trying to deflect any um, accusations where journalists will say, well, I got to be on Twitter to do my job. And you told me to be on here to to spread your stories and stuff. They're like, no, it's never been our official policy. Uh, you can be on it. You do it so because that's the platform with the most people. You're doing it so your career can get the boost from notoriety on a, yeah, bingo, on a, bingo. On a big social media platform. Right. And and the New York Times, I think, would be fine with that. You know, if, if that uh, melds perfectly with the promotion of New York Times stories and stuff, that's great. But too many journal, basically too many Old people are acting like children on Twitter. It's make, it's embarrassing the New York Times. And even worse, it's uh, destroying the quality of journalism. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really funny that they had to do that. And then you got you got people like Taylor Lorenz saying that this is basically uh, giving it to Gamergate. We're letting the uh, the Gamergaters win. Um, did you watch that MSNBC thing she did? I where saw she clips crying? of it. That was just like, brava, lady. <laughs> and... On one hand, I'm like, okay, like she said that people were DMing her pictures of her family and saying, kind of insinuating, if not outright saying, like, we know where they live and we can target them, which is absolutely Mm -hmm. horrible. On the other hand, that doesn't mean that she should uh, be impervious to criticism, especially since a lot of stuff that she does is very questionable in terms of her attacking what seems to be a lot of like kind of like personal enemies she has based on hearsay and gossip. So... If the New York Times stands, she's a is, yellow journalist. She she engages in petty, low level shock mongering for with a certain ideological bent that still just kind of boils down to to school like school squabbles, schoolyard squabbles. It's really petty shit that she keeps digging up to to hurl around and calls it journalism. Like it's like digging through tweets like eight years old to be like, I think they're talking about black people here. Like uh, what? And then going on a weeks long campaign. I was always under the impression that she went after like old guys in tech or something. But I watched this video. She has a apparently a disturbing tendency to go after oh, kind of yeah, like yeah, yeah. same age women, like you know, kind of like entrepreneurs and stuff. That you know, you, you would just on, on the face of it think she she might she might find some connection with and be protective over. But she has kind of a repeated pattern of going after women. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like of her own age and background so yeah it does seem very personal and petty yeah um i think on that on that front like obviously docs we have to abide by some rules to have a shared internet um absolutely uh so things like doxing uh things like uh like like actual incitements to violence calls to violence absolutely a hard red line we cannot have that and expect to have any kind of any any kind of forum Right for free for for good discourse. So I'm so you know if she got if she, if that's the kind of shit that she got, that's way over the line. On the other hand, uh, and this is actually this is not on the other hand. This is a this is an and. And if she is wading into 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 shark infested waters, waving a stake, she kind of owes it to herself to keep to protect to protect her privacy. Um, and it's, I mean, again, going back to a point I made earlier, right? Like it's MSNBC airing this. MSNBC has every interest in the world to see Twitter completely shut down or kneecapped, 
right? Social media is what's been bleeding um, legacy media franchises dry over the last uh, 20 years. Why would they be? Why would we be expecting them to uh, be a- even be able to engage in honest, uh, unbiased, dispassionate journalism about social media when that's the thing that's cu- that's that's uh, undercutting their entire business model? So that's so of course you know they're gonna they're gonna dramatize this and and put a a crying white woman on screen to curry sympathy with a with an audience. So just take that into consideration when seeing all this shit. She's like the whitest white woman who ever whited. Oh man, like my blood pressure wrote like I was like, okay, I should be an informed citizen. I should watch this. And I click press and like, nope, mm-mm. three seconds in, no, I that's not not happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking um, of social media, so uh Trevor's uh I was you know chatting with him earlier today. He sent me this link. And this is this has to do with comic books, so you know, I I don't think I've ever read a comic book in my life, except for the one that came with my spawn action figure that I got uh many, 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 many years ago. But it was about this controversy that arose because a bunch of like comic book artists said a little too much on Twitter that kind of like ruined their careers. And there was this one artist who had kind of gotten off of Twitter since I think 2019 just to basically protect herself. And she tweeted something that on its face is very kind of pathetic uh, and is, is kind of pathetic. But I, I appreciated her being honest because she said something like, you know, I, I, I missed the Twitter clout. I, I had to give up when I stopped using Twitter. I, you know, I, I really liked getting the, the 500 likes or so, being able to command, and I quote her, she said, commanding 500 uh, likes on, on tweets <laughs> I tweet. First of all, 500 likes is not that much. It's like, you know, like, like a decent plan A post can, can probably get that much. And we're, we're not, you know, we're like a tiny little thing in the galaxy of social media. Yeah, if you're so a professional like, online person and you're like your paycheck, your paycheck is relying on your presence. Yeah, five hundred. You're not. You're not. You're not. You're not getting anywhere close to that. Yeah, but I think what she said uh, revealed the the truth about why a lot of these people are on Twitter. It's not for your job. It's not. It's because you like it. You, for many of you, it's probably the first time you really felt powerful. And I, I, I thought of Elon Musk. I don't know how much he's going to spend buying Twitter. It's probably going to be way too much. And if I could give him a message, I'd be like, bro, just save your money. In a few years, Twitter will just be full of like 50-year-olds who, um, you know, getting like a thousand followers the first time they ever felt popular. And they let it all go to their head. And it's going to be insufferable. Like go invest in the next TikTok or something. You know, TikTok will run its course like every platform. Go invest in that. Like, why are you investing in Twitter? This is like it's a blow too much money. <laughs> I like I have no opinion on it because I literally don't care uh, mm-hmm. what happens. Right? It's not going to be worse, and I don't in- imagine it's going to be better. Whatever that means. Uh, well, if he brings Trump back, it's going to be more entertaining. Uh, that but- is. Did you see that? I, I I don't know if it's real. I think Fox News reported on it. Um. So, but you know what? You know, it's not like they have the most airtight standards. Did you see that latest Trump um like memo release on his hole in one that he he got with Ernie? I did. Els? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope that's real. <laughs> I think it is. I saw. <laughs> I think it is. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is. Our, our president Donald Trump. Um, oh, and it, yeah. he wrote basically a short story. <laughs> he got all in one. Good for him. Good for him. And um, I'm like, okay, like we need him back. Like, not enough people saw that. Like, I barely saw that, and it's only because I have a well, special interest in keeping up with all of his um, 
uh, cultural output post-presidency. <laughs> but the, the masses deserve to know about his hole-in-one because it was so funny. And Well, I mean, there's a, like, he, got, he got redacted off the known internet. It was a coordinated thing like a, mo- like, uh, like a month before he was set to step down, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so arguably lame duck not that much happens in that month um so and that's it's carefully coordinated to be that but you know so twitter undermined its own ability to claim itself as a as a as a public square as a town square when they did that yeah the, um, the more you think about it because i i always this had... is the president that's that was currently at that time lame duck as he is the president of the united states yeah like if um if something happened to, like, say, Joe Biden, I don't know what the, the rules are, but there's a chance that, you know, Trump would have to be president for longer. But, yeah, because I think we all think of it, him, or at least I do, until you just brought it up, that he lost his Twitter account after he stopped being president. So, like, okay, he's a private citizen again. Um, no, he, it was he's before. Too, he's too crazy, so he, he gets booted the way, like, like Albert Herr got booted off of Twitter. But, no, mm-hmm. he was president. He was. This is a supposed uh, free speech... Uh, a beacon of the world booting off its own leader off it uh, uh, supposedly its most um not its most popular but i think probably fair to say its most uh, well, prestigious it, it kept, social media it kept uh, it kept its name and reputation um and actually defended itself in multiple senate hearings uh, on the basis that due to its sheer size you need to count twitter as basically a utility a social utility um, it's a public square, meaning uh, the s- same reason why if you want, if you hate someone online, uh, you can do things like petition Twitter or, or Facebook to to get to you know cut their account, right? To redact their account, but you can't go to their power company and say you need to cut power off to this person. So the argument is that these social media sites uh, are basically, you know, utilities that everyone needs to be able to, everyone needs a guarantee to be able to access this fairly, of course, uh, but everyone has a fundamental right to these platforms. And that's what, that's how, that's how these big platforms, A, justified their size um, through multiple, you know, rounds of questioning about, you know, are these monopolies? And if so, you know, we need to invoke antitrust and, and cut them back down to size. We can't let, we can't, we have a, good case for why we can't let monopolies run amok here but they defend themselves by saying these are actually they are actually public squares and actual ut- uh, utilities but they're not pri- they're not publicly held they're still private companies run by the world's most corrupt people yeah and they so they kind they undermined their own case when they scrubbed well a that they coordinated right they the fig leaf was that they were all still independent companies that made independent decisions uh, that fig leaf kind of fell off in a hurry when they all scrubbed the president of the United States in one day at the same time um so there's no case for this so in that case if uh, if it's not a public utility which it's not we we own no equity it's what i kind of felt bad for the the diehard like liberals who were saying this is our space this is no this is a saudi the saudi royal family's space really elon owns 10 percent of it do you think like is twitter owned and run by benevolent you know a proletariat dictatorship here no so you're fine with that, but that Elon Musk is going to own it, that somehow fundamentally shifts your relationship to this platform. It makes no difference. Right. A good that may come out of his uh, ownership is it kind of decreases his popularity. Have you seen these tweets? I mean, I, I just think so many adults 
uh, are making asses of themselves. And it's just like not good for, hey, you want to talk about contributing to teen depression? What about uh, seeing your your parents and professors and teachers and uh, your doctors and all these people that are supposed to be your role models, even like celebrities, you know, um, movie stars just make complete asses of themselves on this for absolutely no reason at all. I've seen tweets where, you know, say professors will, you know, be like, yo, check out this uh, stupid answer or, or something. And it'd be like, imagine mm-hmm. like you're, you're a professor you admire when you went to university, trying to act like a TikTok teen or whatever on Twitter. It would just be so disillusioning. Like, why, why are you doing this? Like, you're supposed to be my hero or whatever. Someone I look up to, not someone trying to compete with me for likes on Twitter. Mm-hmm. That's just, um, it's That's very undignified. Point. You see, you have to see adults acting like complete morons. Uh, what kind of hope would you have for the future? Like, oh my god, uh, you're seeing like sex pests get outed uh, like daily. You yeah. know um, how notable public figures are actually like complete morons out of their freaking minds. Yeah. Yeah, what kind of hope would you have? And these are still we still hold them up as role models. Like, oh hey, little girls, um, Kamala Harris is VP of the United States. She mm. got Ukraine and Russia mixed up at a press conference in Ukraine. <laughs> but look at her. Wait, wait, wait hashtag she got, girl boss. Wait, she got where and where mixed up? Ukraine and where? She got Ukraine and Russia mixed up. Okay. <laughs> Kind of a big deal, in my opinion. I thought opinion. you were going to say, like, Ukraine and Poland, which are like, no, okay. she yeah, got but... Ukraine and Russia mixed up. <laughs> I, uh... I, I know she's noted for not not. Wait, so she said Ukraine invaded briefs. Russia? Is that what she said? I forget the details, but basically okay. she, got the, she got the two countries mixed up in a press conference she was at mm. in Ukraine. That's not good. Or maybe she wasn't in Ukraine, but she was in Eastern Europe. Maybe she was in Poland. I don't know. Uh, but she got like Ukraine and Russia mixed up. And the camera like quickly pans to the like, I think it was a German, a German ambassador or something standing next to her. And the guy like freezes. It's like, oh, oh my God. Like, oh, no. Like, oh, oh God. <laughs> We're all going to die. Um, mm. So that's a, that's a kind of, I mean, um, like the, the, this article, uh, this Atlantic article, um, um, does going not mention it, yeah. going back to it. Yeah. Do you remember that, that old poll? This is, this is very outdated at this point, but that showed like young people, um, like their top five career choices. Does that, oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And still like, like, like TikTok or YouTuber. Yeah. It's not like YouTuber. I'm pretty sure like TikToker probably has supplanted that by now, but basically oh, sure, it was all, yeah. yeah. Social media influencer type, uh, jobs were like one through four and like number mm-hmm. five is like, is like, I don't know, like doctor or astronaut or something something yeah um astronaut so you, what kind of psycho in america still I know, wants right? to be an astronaut? <laughs> you don't you don't have that <laughs> we don't do that anymore um but you like it, but if you'd like put on top that on top of like this article here right where it's actually saying like social media is contributing to this to this mental this epidemic of mental illness and and uh, hopelessness in teenagers but yet this is the only of course it would because these kids all think that that's their only like desire the only desirable career option out there to be participating in this in the cesspit mm-hmm. and it's true yeah like class mobility is dead now how can you become? There is no. There is no national vision to educate to fund industries that actually propel like real growth in the economy. They we don't have we don't have an we don't have a society that's geared towards uh, facilitating the creation of a human based economy. Um, I mean, it, it was a little weird in 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 my time, 
uh, but I didn't have the quite the words to describe it. Why, like so many, like all the like, uh, so in my year, five nuclear engineers graduated. Five, three of them went abroad. Two of them went to China. One went to Switzerland. Uh, the others um, went into finance. Um, their hedge fund, their hedge fund people, and this was true for a lot of other engineering uh, um, engineering fields as well. Like by and large, like the smartest people would always find themselves in finance. That's a red, that's a red flag of something. It means it means for, for five nuclear engineers who graduated from MIT, uh, uh, six. I'm sorry. Um, None of them stayed in the U.S., for example, because we don't have we don't have a nuclear a, a nuclear industry. We just don't have that. We bled off so much of our own talent, and the ones we do retain, they end up just uh, working on Wall Street. And it's soul crushing work. I don't. It's not. It's nothing like uh, what you think you're signing up for. Um, you sign up because you enjoy this this field. You're passionate about this work, and then by the end of it, like, oh, okay. In order to service my student debt and maybe be able to buy a house, I'm gonna need to go pivot into like like analytics to go, you know, serve serve the financial overlords at Wells Fargo. That that trend has never really reversed, I think. Um, and while real pay for all the for all uh, other professions has been like falling through the floor, like. There's that chart for like pay, like real pay for like doctors, lawyers, teachers are already like almost below poverty level now. Um, like these pillars of middle class American, like the pillars of the American dream, basically. Right. Um, they're all sliding, all sliding down. The only things that are ticking up are like software engineering and finance. Um, I don't know what... I, this is kind of why this article is, is garbage to me. It's like, okay, you're saying that you're saying that all this is something other than a real societal catastrophe in slow motion that we're crashing into. And you're just simply saying that teenagers are sad. And then they point to stuff like, like coddled parenting um, and use of social media as a, as the, as the problem. I don't think that's true. That's not true at all. So this 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 piece ends up calling out a problem and then blaming the kids and their parents and the laxity of moderation standards at Instagram and TikTok for why this is going on. I don't see a single mention of like how salaries or real jobs are actually falling. Home ownership is falling through the floor. Um, there really is no future for these kids here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you brought up that whole th uh, jobs thing, it got me thinking that I don't know what the demographic of these people being surveyed are, but but let's say they're they're not they're at least of a certain class level where aspiring for a decent like white collar profession is not completely impossible because you at that level at least still you know you can still make a good living. Um, it, it's become I think more just like bimodal for example in like law you either make the big bucks at a big law firm or you're you're just i don't know uh barely like a contractor just just shuffling between gigs or something but um i, I think the reason that they will say i, I want to be like a an influencer type is you, you have this like grim outlook on your life hey you know what in america 
any day I can get shot in the subway in a mass shooting. Mm-hmm. And if I at least want to be mourned by, you know, I guess more than just my family, which is a given, hopefully, <laughs> not not always a given. Um, I got I gotta be like this hot or funny person on social media because no one's gonna give a damn because we don't give a damn about each other anymore, even if we are doctors um, or other supposedly respectable professionals. Nobody gives a damn. We can get shot on the street. Nobody cares. At best, we might get like, we might trend for a couple hours on Twitter and then nobody cares. So if I yeah. at least want the safety of, well, I can't protect myself. I, the only thing I can protect is my memory. Uh, if I want to maximize that, I got to be uh, e-famous. And that's a very, and uh, of course that would contribute to how bleak your life would be because it's like, I think deep down we all know that uh, hawking, being a, a corporate spokesperson, which is what most influencers are, is not rewarding, but you got you got at least it, it gives you a shot at being mourned, at at death that 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 uh, lurks at every corner. Uh, yeah, that's a good that's a good underpinning. Yeah, there it's not a society um, that prioritizes or fosters life. We're just kind of like just waiting waiting for a death of some kind or another. Um. That's definitely that's 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 definitely the mood here. So how dare you say it's oh these kids are just on Instagram? It's implying that it's not actually real. Yeah, if you just look at New York, uh, you know Cuomo was responsible for like tens of thousands of seniors dying in in the homes. Dude, and, you know our recent guest Ron Kim was was like the only person fighting for it, and at least he got that ball rolling. But in the end, people didn't really care. They were like old, probably poor. Uh, kind of like unattractive people. Nobody cared. The only thing that really got Cuomo down was like a few, uh, you know, attractive women came forward and mm-hmm. said he harassed them, and that's the thing that got people really riled up. Nobody cared about like the, you know, ten, yeah. Uh, if thousand, it, he hadn't done know. that, he would not have he would not have been punished at all for his mm-hmm. role in killing. What's it like thirty thousand seniors? A lot, a ton. Yeah, yeah. thirty thousand. Holy shit! And then on to, and then and then you hear the calls for justice, and it's simply, oh, you should just not have your job anymore. That's sufficient punishment <laughs> for you. Yeah, I'm. Excuse me. In what world does do you, do you have a hand? It, like thirty thousand. That's genocide numbers here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um. <laughs> In what world do you get to have that hand in intentionally killing 30,000 people and all that happens to you? The worst that they can picture happening to you is that you simply don't get to do your job anymore. Right. Apparently this one. Mm-hmm. And that sucks. That really, really sucks. Yeah. And then you, you get people uh, you know, criticizing young people. All you want to be is like silly and sexy on social media. That's, you know, why are you being so stupid? Then you look at what the adults, like what we value. And why shouldn't they aspire to that? Because that's, like, they, they look at the elders and that's like the only thing we care about, it seems. So if they yeah, want that's, protection, that's a, if they want to thrive, why, why shouldn't they do that? Why should they waste their time trying to, you know, strive for a greater good and dedicate long and, you know, very uh, vital years of their life? mastering a very difficult skill learning very difficult concepts for the greater good when nobody will care if, if like all, for all that you, if you die in like 
a, a nursing home or something at the end of your life, nobody will care about you. Why, why would you want to strive for that? It's pointless. At worst, you're falling for a scam. They, you'll you'll sacrifice years of your life to get educated, to develop skills, and all that will happen is a predatory company will scoop you up, use your idealism against you to justify uh, working you to the bone, underpaying you and disrespecting you at every turn to serve their rent-seeking bullshit. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, I'm I'm here to say that. That's 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 I am here to. This is exactly how the last like twelve years in tech has been. How much mm-hmm. actual innovation came out of that? Came out of Silicon Valley in twelve years. The biggest unicorns are all rent-seeking machines. Right. What in what social good has come of that? Yeah. So, um, I, I, <laughs> I don't know what else more to say about that. Oh man, uh, I turned this into a bummer again. No, no, uh, no, no. I, I think we can. I can. Uh, I think we can turn it a bit more lighthearted, even though it will. It will still be kind of angry. You're speaking of Russia. Can I go on a rant about how fucking boring Anna Karenina is? Finally finished the that book? monster. Yeah. The book? Okay. Go ahead. Finally finished that monster. I, I think it took me two months. I don't know when I started. It's been this dam on, on this like flowing river of reading I was getting. I've read, I've read like five or six books in January, which I don't know. Maybe some people are really fast, but that was a lot for me. And I was like, oh, you know, I, I'm, I'm rolling, even though I guess I started my new job in February. So that was bound to slow me down. But I've been bogged down in this one book and it, it was just have you ever read it or ever seen a movie adaptation or anything I like read that? it but like a long time ago i think in high school oh what they made you read that in high school no 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 this is just how much of a dork i was no i just read it oh, because i okay. wanted to all right but i don't know what you felt like hey, when about- i tell you i have regrets about how i spent my youth <laughs> i have regrets about how i spent my youth oh but it's just this in like I, I read War and Peace a couple of years ago. Last year I read uh Dr. Zhivago. Um in fact I remember seeing this in a pod, I, I swear it was at least like like ten episodes ago. That's how long I've been on this thing. Finally <laughs> finished it today. But it's just so it's like, okay, so you think you're reading this book about uh, you know, Anna Karenina and her affair. And you think that compared to a book like War and Peace, oh, this is gonna be more personal, more um relatable but i actually found it the exact opposite i actually found war and peace somehow more relatable even though most of it was about a lot of it was about like politics and the napoleonic wars but this book so much it should have been called constantine levin because that's what this book is really about mm-hmm. and most of the book is all i'm sure you remember the most boring digressions about uh land reforms in uh you know rural russia what 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 they should do about that how uh, a, a noble landowner should interact with with the, the peasants whether he should be kind of like buddy buddy with them or, or or he should be more like i guess a, a benevolent master and then um then it gets into a whole religion thing towards the end where, where levin basically uh, becomes uh, goes from like uh, I don't know if he's agnostic or atheist into a Christian, and then and then the whole I think it's the uh, the Crimean War comes up towards the end and Pan Slavism is like what the hell and it's like Anna commits suicide and the book keeps going on for like fifty more pages. Uh, what about Pan Slavism and all that? It was just unbearable and it, it's just <laughs> and I like <laughs> I, I tried I remember like first I think the first time I tried reading it was for a class in college but then i ended up dropping that class so i never finished it so i think over the years maybe um i tried like a few times reading it but i figured why, why not give it you know 
let's try it. And then you get in deep enough. You're like, okay, I'm like 100 pages in. Let's finish mm-hmm. it. Oh, God, there's like 900 more pages left. And <laughs> oh. and the thing is, I, I really don't like reading more than one novel at a time. And mm-hmm. I and my brother gave me my brother gave me this gift card to a to a bookstore for Christmas. So I bought a bunch of books I really want to read. The first one of which I read, I love one of my favorite books I've ever read. Uh, we need to talk about Kevin, which I've talked about on this pod before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm so excited to read the other ones I have. Uh, but this thing has been a roadblock for the last two months. I finally got over it, and I had to vent because it's just it took up that much time. And like a good book. You wake up and you're like, I can't wait to read it. I can't wait to, you know, get lost in it. This book was like, oh God, it's like, it's like a workout you really don't want to do. I, I got to do it though, because the more I put it off, the longer it's going to take. Mm-hmm. I'll, 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 I got 30 minutes here. I'll do it. And then, oh no, you're looking at your phone for 30 minutes. Okay. I'll do it right <laughs> before I sleep. You read three pages, you zonk out. Uh-huh. But I finally did it. It's done. Fuck this book. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, no, I I remember liking it, but I think I liked it for the opposite. Like it was a serial novel when it was. Yeah, public. you can tell because he's like yeah. going on for like fifty pages about some stupid uh uh snipe hunt. I really, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't give a shit. You know, move on. I I, th- I think I liked it because it was uh, so rambly and long. Uh, I read it over a summer when, like, summer when I was super bored. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had nothing to do, so like, I just read whatever I could get my hands on, and this was one of them. So I just kind of liked uh, seeing it. Uh, I think more like just to see, like, okay, let's let's see what these Russians are about. Mm-hmm. I only at that point I only knew Russia Russians from like my dad y- yelling about Lenin a lot. So. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, we'll take it, we'll pull it a little bit further back than that and see what's going on. And like, wow, these people are both boring and crazy. That's a bad combination. <laughs> but uh, there's another book that I read that actually was was much better. I, I, I forget everything about it, including who wrote it and what the title is. Oh, that's um, helpful. I know, right? Um, but it's a, it's about a, it's about a, it's a, it's a really compelling premise, actually. Um, you might actually remember the name of it. Um, it's about a woman who is middle class. Okay. Um, and then, but she is she aspires to be a socialite, so she like fantasizes about is being the Madame wife Bovary. To a, Madame Bovary, yes. Okay, all right. That's have you read that one? Yes. Okay, I liked that one a lot better. I think I liked it. Um, I should reread it because uh, I don't remember a ton from it. But yeah, she is from kind of like a small town. She is either betrothed or pursued by kind of like a, a local respectable man, but she basically thinks she's too good for him, falls for some fancy boy from Paris who is a total bastard and her life goes yeah. to ruin, ends up consuming arsenic. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert, but this book has also been around for like 200 years. So yeah, you had your chance. Don't, don't come at, don't come at him. Um, no, that was a, I mean, I think that it's actually a pretty useful book now. I mean, we're talking about social media and it's t- corrosive effects. This is kind of exactly the same thing. So actually that's another point talking about this, like the corrosiveness of uh, social media uh, as a new thing is completely misguided, like jealousy, class envy, and doing destructive things to um, be part of a class that you are fantasizing about that you are not currently part of. I'm willing to destroy your life to to be part of that class, or at least to put on the appearance of being part of that class. Um, that should be readily identifiable to us now. 
I mean, isn't the isn't the 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 denouement of that story like she's deeply, deeply in debt, has no way to get out of it, and so she has no way out except to commit suicide. Uh probably um i as i said i don't remember a lot of it uh but yeah her situation is not good um yeah, and, yeah. so worth a reread i think um with uh with with modernized maybe give the maybe to give the russians a little bit of a break at this point though also like a For fraction one thing, you're gonna get of on the a watch list. of anna karenina you're gonna, you're, you're gonna get on a watch list if you keep that up man right 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 for sure <laughs> who's this russia lover out there in new york mm-hmm. yeah okay yeah. All right, I think uh, I think that's uh, we've hit our quota for this episode. Okay. All right. Uh, enjoyable as always talking with you, Jess. And awesome. I think yep. um, yeah, we're gonna record a episode soon that I think might talk about beauty standards. I'm not sure if it's gonna be the bonus or we'll reset it free, but keep an eye out for that. I think it'll be a very interesting topic. Very curious mm-hmm. what you have to say about that. All right. Uh, so join us next time, listeners. Until then, Escape from Plan A signing off. Bye, everyone. All right. Bye. Thank you.